Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Church, good to see you. Love seeing you. And um, just love the presence of the Lord. Just love the presence of the Lord today. So we're in a series called Pray First, and I know that it is speaking and changing lives. I know that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm pumped about that. I get a lot of neat texts during the week about that. So today's message, uh, the series is called Pray First. If you do not have your paws on a book yet, or you haven't gotten a book yet, maybe your first time walking in here, uh, at the Guest Connect, uh, just go back there after the church, after the church, after church, and uh, just ask them for a book. If you need more than one, ask them for that. They'll get you one. Uh, what we're doing is we're taking six model prayers in Scripture, and we're walking through that Sunday by Sunday. But I'm asking you, the church, to begin to incorporate that prayer that week into your life. And then after it's over, uh, there, there are going to be, if not all six, there are going to be several that you continue that journey with. And I hope that it's impacting your life. I hope it's changing your prayer life. I hope it's opening your eyes to a whole, whole much more than what, uh, that maybe what you had uh, up to this point. So the, the series is Pray First. Today, very important message, I'm telling you. It's called Praying the Word. In the book, it's called Praying Scripture. Um, I like the word, so I said praying the word. And um, I didn't... I think it's one of the most important things you can do. Let me, not just important, it's one of the most powerful things you can do is pray the word. Praying the word is just, I mean, it's, it's kick butt powerful. It is. It changes everything. And uh, so here's what I want you to understand. Christianity, Christianity is called the great confession. Do you realize that? Christianity. It's called the great confession. Let me tell you some scripture why it's called that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you, if me, if we confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Watch this. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 13, right under it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The great confession is Christianity. Remember that. Everybody in this room that claims and calls themselves a Christian, born again, saved, it began for you and me with a great confession. you got to keep that thought because I'm going to build on that. It begins with a great confession. Remember how it started. That you out of your mouth declared who he was. Okay? And you believed 
that what he did on Calvary was the real deal. That he could be taken at his word. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't made up. It wasn't a comic strip. It was eternal life if you believed in him and called out to him. Now, here's the deal. If it started that way, is it still doing it? Is it still that way? We'll look at it. So as you know, my life, I grew up Baptist, okay? As I said, you were hatched in a Baptist church. I believe my, my I don't know what my birth certificate says, but it probably was the church, all right? I, I grew up in church. Many of you are the same way. If you grew up Baptist, it was Sunday morning, it was Sunday night, and it was Wednesday night. Chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, green beans, rose salad, water, tea, Dessert. They couldn't, cook, they couldn't cook anything else in a Baptist church. That's all they could cook. They did it well. That's all I had. You didn't even have to ask on Wednesday night what the meal was. You knew. Just knew. The only question was, do you want gravy or not? That's it. You grew up Baptist. I grew up Baptist. I loved the Baptist church. I'm telling you, absolutely loved the Baptist church. Thankful for it. Thankful for my heritage. Thank you for all that the Baptist church taught me. I grew up in First Baptist Church in Athens, Texas. I had two pastors growing up. When I was little, when I grew up till about junior high, early junior high, seventh, eighth grade, uh, my pastor's name was Curtis Mathis. It's not the TV manufacturer. He wasn't. I, I don't, I'm not making this up. So he left, and could it get any better? You know who followed him? James Bond. <laughs> Y'all can go look at that today. I am not making that up. That's the honest truth. Curtis Mathis, not the TV manufacturer, he left, and James Bond became my pastor. His son, John, was our quarterback. He's now a pilot for American Airlines. But, but that was my two pastors. Loved them. Loved them. Between the two guys, between those two men, they were at that church for over 50 years together, right? That's that's just awesome, the longevity and the rock that those men were for that church, okay? I loved my Baptist heritage, okay? Loved it. Thankful for everything that it taught me and, and, and gave me. So at 10 years old, my great confession in the Christianity started. At 10 years old, I gave my life to Christ and was born again. Know that. To this day, sealed, know it, no, never doubted it, okay? Ten years old, I was saved. I did Romans 10, 9 and 10. I did Romans 10, 13, just like you. So I grow up, I graduate from high school, and I go off to East Texas Baptist University on a baseball scholarship. I leave my Baptist heritage, and I go to a private Baptist university, okay? My freshman year... Nothing out of the ordinary. It felt like I was still in Athens, and it felt like I was kind of really at First Baptist. I didn't, but much. I was kind of surviving, checking it out, feeling it out. My roommate changed at, at the end of my freshman year, and I no longer roomed or had the room with baseball guys. I begged my coach that, that I could change. I, I said, we, I'm not going to make it. I'll keep pitching, but I can't room with these guys. They're mm, another story. So, he let me change, and so my roommate, unbeknownst to me who he really was, I just knew him, and I knew he led worship. 
So we had this Bible study called Time Out on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock at the university. My roommate gets up and leaves and goes to do worship, and he says, you need to come. And I'm like, come where? Bible study, Tuesday night, time out, 9 o'clock. I was like, never heard of it. He said, how you go to school here last year and didn't even know about it? I said, I'm gifted. I don't know. I don't know. I never heard of it. He said, you need to come. Kid you not, little Baptist boy just walks up to the thing, and I, I hear him in there worshiping. I see people in there. I open the door. I walk in. And there's three or 400 college kids with their hands raised, some of them laying on the floor, Holy Spirit going crazy in there. And I'm like, what the fat is that? And I ran. I took off like a big chicken. I was like down the hill. God said, that will be enough. You can stop. I'm like, no, I'm going back to the dorm. I ain't doing none of that stuff. I don't know what that is. He says, you need to go back in there. I said, I don't want to go back in there. You need to go back in there. Well, God wins most discussions, okay, over time. So I went back in there. And I'm, I'm back there just kind of checking it out, people raising their hands and all that. And, 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 and me, the, the judgmental guy that I was at this point, there were girls in there raising their hands in worship. And I was like, mm-hmm, you should raise your hand. You're guilty. I know some baseball boys you've been with. I raised my hand too. I'm guilty. And I was like judging everybody. Then I saw some baseball guys. And I'm like, I, I don't know why y'all, what y'all doing? I mean, I know what I, last night, Monday night, here you are Tuesday night. Like, do you have a memory? I have a memory for you. Could you let me go tell you what you were doing? And God said, why are you judging everybody? Won't you just enjoy my presence? I'm going to teach you something. So I began to sing. I, he said, close your eyes so you don't see him. So I closed my eyes so I didn't see him. Then I just started seeing him. Started worshiping. And all of a sudden, man, through time, Holy Spirit got a hold of my life. Amen. Absolutely got a hold of me. At a Baptist university, and I spent all that time at a Baptist church and never even heard the word. I mean, didn't even hear about the Holy Spirit. Didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Nothing. The only time in a Baptist church I ever heard about the Holy Spirit is when this preacher said, the Holy Spirit will draw you to him. Half my life, I thought he meant God draw me a picture of how to get to God. I didn't know what he was talking about. Finally figured out that it wasn't drawing. So, so here I am, grew up Baptist, the Word. Went to college and met the Spirit. Now, I want to show you something in Scripture that's a very important marriage. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Remember, it all began with a great confession. I don't want you to lose that because I'm going to bring you back to it. John chapter 4. Look at verses 23 and 24. That This is the woman at the well who had five husbands and was living with a man, went to the well at a time of day where she didn't want to see nobody because she's embarrassed, she's ashamed, and she meets the one and only person she needs the most. And it changed her life. But I want you to see verses 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, 
and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You want to be a real church that God will come to be a church that is big on the word and big in the spirit. You want to be the church that God wants. People say, I want to be the kind of church that God comes to. Well, that's not hard. Would God walk into my church? Will you tell me? Because I'm going to say something. My church that I grew up in, he would not. Not because it didn't teach the word, but because it did not teach the spirit. Jesus says he is the word, but he also says he is a spirit. Don't teach half Jesus and expect to change the church. I grew up half of where I should have been. I grew up with half of what I needed. I grew up with half of what God, God's word told me. To make sure I had. I'm 22 years old in college, and I'm trying to figure out why in the world I only have half. Grateful for the half, but the other half I'm empty. You see, the spirit that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. And the truth that he's talking about is the Word of God. And the Baptist church is awesome about the Word. And I'm grateful for it. And I am not, do not walk out of here and go, what did Jeff preach on? He dogged the Baptist. I'm not dogging the Baptist. I love the Baptist. Love him to this day, man. I left the Baptist denomination after college and served in Baptist churches the whole time. The whole time. So if I, liked, if I disliked them so much, why would I, I serve in them? I loved them. Loved the word. But let me ask you a question. How do you know what to pray? Well, the simple answer is, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit. Okay, you know where I'm going? If the Holy Spirit is going to teach me what to pray, and I grow up and never get taught about the Holy Spirit or hear the Holy Spirit, What the heck am I praying? How do I pray? So what I do growing up, I prayed what I heard. I prayed what I heard. Who am I hearing it from? What church am I at? I'm at a Baptist church that I love. With Baptist people that smell like Baptist Walk like Baptists and chew like Baptists and eat like Baptists, chicken fried steak, gravy, please. They're all Baptists. Deacon Bob, Deacon Larry, Deacon Fred, and Sister Sally, they all Baptists. Bless the giver and the gift. Deep prayer. All I heard was robotic, the same prayers all my life. I hear anything different. Most of the prayers are very similar. So I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. I just started praying what I heard. I pray what I grew up hearing people pray. 
I wonder how many of you were just like me. How many of you, your dad taught you how to fish, your dad taught you how to shoot a gun, your parents taught you how to drive, your mama taught you how to study and pass in school. Dads can't do that very well. Mom do it very well, all right? Mama taught you how to eat at a table, not like a caveman, all right? You're never going to get a date, son, if you eat like this, all right? So parents teach you a lot of things. Who taught you to pray? Who taught you to pray? How do you know if you're praying today like Jesus wants you to pray? I prayed like people prayed. What if the people were wrong? Well, they went to church, Jeff. They were Baptists. Can't be wrong. Baptists can't be wrong. I'm <laughs> sorry. Everybody outside of Jesus can be wrong. So how do I know that I'm praying the way God wants me to pray? I want you to peek at a scripture, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, 2. Here's, here's Jeff. You've been trapped by what you said. Ensnared by the words of your mouth. Mm. I've been trapped by my words. Snared by the words in my mouth. Have you ever, mm, have you ever written out what you pray? So one day, on this journey, I started writing out my prayers. You ever look back and read what you pray? What are you praying that you couldn't do anyway? God bless this meal. Thank you for the day. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. I look back over many years of my life, and I didn't see anything that I was praying that I needed God to accomplish. I was pretty capable of doing most of the stuff I was praying. Now, again, I'm not making fun of anybody or any prayer. I'm just trying to teach you something here. You can be trapped by your words and snared by the words out of your mouth. They can keep you small when your God is big. They can keep your prayers meaningless, empty, and never hitting the ceiling because you don't even know who you're praying to and you don't know how you pray to him. We have got to understand that we serve a big God that is mighty and powerful and awesome. He is the resurrected God. Our prayers have got to be prayers that he can move. When we pray these prayers, he's moving. And it's undoubtable. The world today doesn't see God for who he is because I don't think the people of God pray the prayers to make God move that way. So I want you to go to Mark's gospel. Go to Mark. I want you to see an, 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 kind of an interesting encounter here with Jesus. Mark chapter 9. I want to set this up by beginning in verse 21. This is a boy with an evil spirit, and his dad brings him to Jesus. I want you to look at verse 21. Verse 21. 
Jesus asked the boy's father, mm. <laughs> how long has he been like this? I, I, I need to stop for a second. What is it that you've been praying for for about seven or eight years and it hadn't moved? Definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different result, right? You ever thought maybe you're praying wrong? Maybe what you're asking for, you're asking for the wrong motive, wrong reason, expecting little. Are you praying big? Are you praying the word over that? Are you speaking Jesus over that? A name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, everything must bow. Everything. Interesting question by Jesus. How long has he been like this? Like he did not know that. Jesus asks questions sometimes just to get us to answer it because he knows the answer. He just wants to see if we're honest. From childhood, he answered, it has often, take, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Mm. Look at verse 23. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. How long has he been like this? Since childhood. But if you can do anything... If, if I can, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. So here's a question. How do you know you don't believe? How do you know you don't believe? Here's the answer. When you stop asking, think about that for a second. Everything is possible for he or she that believes. So how do you know you don't believe? You say, preacher, I do believe. You do? So are you asking? I stopped asking. I don't ask anymore. No, I've never asked. Then Jesus would say you don't believe. When did you stop? What made you stop? I want to keep going. Verse 24 says this. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Watch this. I do believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that believe. You don't get up, get dressed, take a shower, eat breakfast, drive to church, and come to church today if you don't believe. Everybody here believes. But when did you stop asking? 
What made you stop? What about your unbelief? I never, I never thought I had unbelief. I never did until it was called into question. You ever had a moment in your life where you thought you believed a certain way and then it was asked of you and you didn't grade well? I had a moment, we had a moment where my unbelief or my belief was challenged and I did not score well. I didn't do well. I've told you before, I said, God, I believe in you, but you've got to help me. You've got to help me with my unbelief. And Jesus said as loud as he could to me, Jeff, I am not going to help your unbelief. I am going to heal it. Because if I only help you, you're going to keep needing more help. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to heal you. Because once I heal you, you will never ask again. He told the woman at the well, I will become in you a spring of living water, and you will never grow thirsty again. Man, when Jesus becomes more than just a belief system, you believe he can do it. He says if you have the faith, just a little bit of faith, I'll move a mountain with that faith. When you believe that mountain can move because you speak it in the name of Jesus, my friend, that's power right there. How many of you pray that way? How many of us pray that way? I found myself praying small prayers to a big God, wanting big results. What? Why don't I pray big prayers to a big God for big results? It was challenged of us. First time with cancer, I think we thought we could whoop it. And we did. Second time with cancer, we didn't have a chance. If he didn't do it, my wife's not sitting there. Just simple as that. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Is that what you need today? I know you believe. You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe. But where's your unbelief? Where is it? You believe he is a miracle maker? You believe even when he don't see him working, he's working? You believe there's nothing impossible with God? You believe there's nothing he can't do? So my question is, do you pray that way? Do you believe that way? You walk that way? You talk that way? That's your testimony about him? It says this, it's a quote, my word is not void of power. My people are void of speech. 
If you have your Bible, you might want to write that one down. That's good. Listen, his word is not void of power, but we don't speak it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, my word does not come back void. It accomplishes what I ask, what I do. It just accomplishes it. If his word never comes back void, wouldn't it move us to pray the word? Listen, my words don't do squat, but his word does a bunch. What I, my greatest weapon in the war of prayer is praying the word. Because God's word never comes back void. Jeff's word comes back void a lot. See, I spent 22 years of my life praying void prayers. They were just me. When I realized that the Holy Spirit of God would teach me how to pray, I had all that word that the Baptist church just poured into my life. It was still in the treasure chest, but it wasn't being used. But boy, when the Holy Spirit caught a hold of me, and I began to pray with the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what I drew from? A treasure chest of word. I started praying the word. God's spirit went out on that word, and dude, it rocked my prayers. Three years, three plus years, I spent all by myself after college living in a little house out in the country. I told my daughter this week, first year, I walked with God. And I grabbed. Second year, I walked with God. He molded me. He broke me down. In the third year, mm, he made a warrior. That's what he did. He taught me how to walk and talk and sing and hum. He taught me how to praise. Man, I, it was a quarter of a mile to a cattle guard and a quarter of a mile to the main drag. Well, to the street. I called it a main drag. It's still only about 10 cars in that country. I'd walk it all the time. I want to read a scripture real fast to you. Uh, Proverbs. Man, I got a row. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them written in your heart. For they are life to those who find it and health to a man's whole body. Amen. The words are health. His words are health. His word in our heart that comes out is health. Physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, spiritual health. Are you praying that word over your life? By, it's powerful if you do it. Are you praying it over? Luke 6, 47 says this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yep. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's what it says to me. The more words you got in you, the more word you pray out. Amen. If you're not praying out the word, it might be because you have an intake problem. You may not be taking any word in because you can't pray what's in if it's not in there. So how much word do you pray? Probably the amount of word you take in. But see, if your words don't have any power, and his words have all the power, why in the world are we spending so much energy praying our words? Why don't we pray his words? When we pray his words, things move. Isn't it fun to pray and see things move? Yes, it is. 
If you don't ever see things move and all you do is pray, you're just doing religious activity. Religious activity will cause two things. It'll make you tired and it'll make you prideful. I want you to go to Mark, back to Mark's gospel. This is a lot, but it's good. Mark 11. I want to begin in verse 22. 23 is the main one, but 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says, put a box around if you got your own Bible, to this mountain, go. Throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, put a box around it, that what he says, put a box around it, will happen, it will be done for them. Every bit of that is believe, say. Believe, say. Believe, say. What's stored up in your heart, the treasure in your heart, what are you going to pray from? Word never comes back void. If he says my word never comes back void, I'm going to pray that word. I do not want to return check on my prayers. I want to see it move. I've told my people, Jesus said, they could have what they say. And they say what they, they are saying what they have. (laughs) He says you can have what you say. And most of the time, we just pray what we have. God, is gonna, this house is going to be, just give me strength. You're a victorious kid of the king. Amen. You serve a victorious God. You're going to settle. That's how it's going to be. I'm glad he didn't think that in a tomb. We'd all be in a world of hurt still. Yep. Romans 10, 17 so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to increase your faith, you put more word in your life. If you want to increase your prayer life, if you want to see prayer launched by faith, you pray the word. You ever been in a group praying and somebody starts praying out the word? I guarantee you this, all of a sudden, the atmosphere changes, and everybody in the group feels more powerful, stronger, more authority. There's anointing. When you pray the word, it changes the atmosphere, changes everything, changes the room, changes everybody's attention. You start praying the word, and every head's like, whoop, we done went to the word. Somebody else just rambling in prayer, you're like, oh, Lord, how long is he going to talk about himself? I mean, you just, it's killing you. I have prayed many prayers in church growing up that that deacon would stop praying. If I, you said that last week, sir. Last month when you were the deacon on call, you prayed that prayer. I even know your prayer. I've been going to this church since I was seven. I already know what you're going to pray. But my friends and I, we used to say the prayer for them. We would be sitting there, and we'd go, go. And we'd just repeat, and we'd be right on cue, man. Bless the give, bless the giver, all that. We knew what they were going to say. 
Christianity is called the Great Confession. It begins that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Everything bows at the name of Jesus. Everything. The question is, what are you confessing in the name of Jesus? If everything bows at the name of Jesus, and we started by professing and confessing that we were sinners, we needed a Savior, we knew Jesus died on a cross, we knew his word in Romans 10, 9, and 10, and 13, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that we shall be saved. If it started that way, why'd we stop? Why did the church stop? If Christianity is the great confession and we started with eternal life, we got eternal life by our confession. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. It's a free gift from God. And all we had to do is profess it with our mouths. Why in the world is the most powerful thing in the world Jesus? Why is Jesus professed with our mouth at, at, at salvation but never after. Why? If it moved the mountain of hell and got us heaven, why don't we keep confessing the name of Jesus over stuff? So what do you need to confess it over today? You need to confess it over your marriage? In the name of Jesus, God, I pray Jesus over my marriage. In the name of Jesus, I pray Jesus over my kids. And if you want to call him by name, call him by name. Over my home, Jesus. I don't want you to bless our home. I'm just speaking Jesus over our home. I want you to do what you need to do in our home to make our home honor you, to glorify you. Over this situation, over this situation, over this work. Isn't it nice not to just talk about it, but to speak Jesus over it? Listen, all infirmities all sicknesses, all diseases, all health issues has to bow at Jesus' name. Then speak it over it. If we are the great confession, keep confessing. When did the church stop doing it? If you want to see the church change the world, let the church begin to do the great confession that it started with. When the church starts doing that, the world will give attention to the church, not coronavirus or the impeachment. That appeal to what God's doing. You want a movement of God? Watch the church start confessing the name of Jesus over everything. You, that'll change everything. It's, it's hard enough, folks. Why don't we battle the right way? His promises are true. We call Jesus on it at salvation. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Worship team to come on up. Here's what I need you to do for me. If you're here today, I know you believe. Some of you, some of you need to overcome your unbelief. You stop believing. And the reason I know you stop believing, the reason you know you stop believing is you stopped asking. Don't stop asking. He doesn't change. 
Same yesterday, today, and forever. God is moving even when you don't see he's moving. So this is kind of twofold, I think, today. There's some unbelief in the room that needs to die. And you know your name. Some of you don't believe you can do it. Some of you used to believe, but you don't now. You need to settle that. And some of you know that your life started at salvation with a great confession. And you know there's no other name but the name of Jesus. It's greater and more powerful than any other name. There's some things in your house. There's some things in your home. There's some things around you that kick in your tail. Because all you're speaking in from is from you. And you need to start speaking from Jesus. You need to start calling him on the floor. You call the enemy out by the blood of Jesus. Nothing greater than the blood. Nothing covers like the blood. Nothing more powerful than Jesus. And it's time the church steps into his authority and begins to call out. So I'm asking you to bow up today, church. Some of you need to lay down some unbelief. And some of you need to start speaking the name of Jesus over some areas of your life. So as we worship, we're going to do that. Whatever that looks like, we're going to do that. Father, we love you. You have spoken. Mm. You told the church, ask, 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 and it will be done. So God, today, may we, may we do that. We need to do that. So God, you come. Do what only you can do for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. As we worship, be obedient. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 